Thank you for listening to the BJJ Brick Podcast. We'll be bringing you Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu and good times. We hope to flatten your Jiu-Jitsu learning curve, help you get the most out of your grappling ability, and meet your goals both on and off the mat. Welcome back, my friends. Uh, episode 101 of the BJJ Brick Podcast. Uh, I'm Gary, and I'm here with my buddy Byron. How are you doing today, Byron? Uh, doing good. It's good to be here. Good to be back for the 101st time. It's almost like we're starting over. Kind of. Uh, number one, plus 100. We, uh, that was a 100, episode 100 was fun, and it was a landmark that we uh, never really thought about, I guess. But it's kind of like getting a belt sometimes. You don't think about it, and then it shows up. This happens. And uh, here we go. Well, the bad thing is, like, episode 200 is no big deal. I think we probably <laughs> got to get to 500. And then a thousand, like five hundred, would be a kind of a cool number. Yeah, but uh, two hundred is just another number on the way to five and on the way to a thousand. Yep, and that is a long time in the future if we able to make it. Yes, that far. Long time. You know, uh, what were you saying there, uh, Byron? You know, one way that would help us make it that far. Oh, oh, nice. What, what would that be? would be a little listener support. We do have uh, – we, right now we just have one way that, that people are able to support us, and uh, hopefully it's able – we're able to help them a little bit at the same time. We have an audio book for sale, eleven ninety nine. It's called Your First Year in Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu. Um, it's an audio book I made. It's a couple hours long. It just guides you through uh, what to expect during your first year of training. You know, everything from finding your gym – uh, to your first month, you know, your first day, all the way up to if you want to compete and, and what to expect and, and how to deal with that. So your first year in BJJ uh, by the BJJ Brick Podcast, it's uh, it's eleven ninety nine, and uh, and that money goes to support the show and what we do and might help us get to episode 202. Or 500. Or 500. Well, yeah, definitely check it out. Um, it's by our own, very own Byron. And uh, uh, Byron really knows what he's talking about, and it's uh, getting great <laughs> reviews. So check it out, um, man! We got an awesome show today. Um, as we mentioned last week, we have an interview with uh, Chris Howder, uh, one of the original Dirty Dozen. Um, so um, uh, check it out. Stay tuned because uh, it's a great uh, interview, and uh, we're all going to learn a lot. Yep, he's been doing jujitsu for so long; it's it's just part of who he is, and. And uh, we we get in a fun way. We get sometimes we get a little off topic and talk about uh, life and, and other things that he is passionate about, and that's good. But uh, this is uh, an explicit episode. We, we can handle it. I'm sure uh, you're able to, my friends. So yeah, if you if you do be, get offended by it, just plug your ears. Um, it, we're <laughs> we're all big people. Yeah, um, plug them prior to him cussing. So. Uh, you won't be offended, you know, and then yeah. plug them right away with no yeah. warning about when that's going to happen. Yeah, or if you hear it and you didn't plug yours in time, just rewind it and then plug yours. Get that soap and, and wash them out pretty good. But, um, yeah, yeah. No, but great episode there. Um, so uh, stay tuned. You do not want to miss it. Trust me. Yeah, a lot. really fun interview, and, and uh, it's just part of hanging out with Chris. You know, that's what's going to happen, and it's just part of – it's just part of the fun, I guess. It's just learning about who he is, and and uh, that's just part of the way he talks. So it's it's not a big deal. Anyway, we're going a little bit long on that, but uh, it, it's great interview, and, and I learned a lot talking to him. And uh, hey, so you don't miss any of our episodes. Uh, definitely sign up for our email list. Uh, it's on our Facebook page. It's on our website. 
it'll alert you every Tuesday, um, give you a link to the show, so uh, you'll definitely not miss it. And you also get some free audio clips from uh, Byron's audiobook, so uh, you get a free bonus. And as always, uh, we want to let you know we don't sell our email list, so you don't have to worry about getting spammed by us and uh, us or anybody else. Uh, we just uh, have an email list for you know stuff we can send out to our listeners. But uh, So if you want to do that, we'd appreciate you signing up. Yep, it's a fun way to stay in contact with everybody, and, and uh, it's hard to miss an episode when you get it emailed to you. That's true. Even I don't miss that. <laughs> I'm excited this week about our quote. A uh, gentleman named Dan Gable. Have you heard of him, Gary? Dan Gable. I think he's like one of the greatest wrestlers ever. <laughs> that be correct? Yeah, I think so. And and with the parallels with wrestling and jiu-jitsu, uh, you can't go wrong with uh, Dan Gable. His quote is, My mind's never gone very far away from what I wanted to accomplish. And that just tells me that, you know, you set a, he sets a goal, and it may not be like, the first thing on his mind all the time, but it's it's never very far from that. So he's always kind of in the back of his head, uh, reaching for his goal. Yeah, he's always thinking about what he needs to do to get to that goal. Training hard. I mean, he's notorious for you know how how hard he trained. But like you said, it's always in his mind. It's always something he's thinking about. He's always doing something to accomplish that goal, a way to get to that goal. There's no shortcuts. He's thinking about it, and he's working to get there. So, uh, man, the guy is legendary, and a great quote right there. Yeah, I, th- I think about for jiu-jitsu, like, um, you know you're doing that when, if you have a dream and it involves jiu-jitsu, well, your mind really never did uh, leave the mat, you know, even when you're asleep. Or if you're doing something and you see, like, a parallel to jiu-jitsu, your mind kind of was running that in the background anyway. Like if you're if you're turning a wrench and, and you can't quite you know make it happen, so you change the way you you're standing or you the, your grip on the on the on the wrench and you get uh, more leverage and and you're like, well, that's like just well, yeah, yeah, yeah. And I've seen a lot of people. I mean, like myself. Last time I, I changed the motor out of my vehicle, I didn't use my arms at all. I did it all with my feet, you know, for like guard. <laughs> working my guard so you just got to be ingenious and think of different ways to do stuff yeah it is it, uh, you're going to be putting that on our YouTube channel pretty soon aren't you Gary I think I'm gonna I, yeah. Yeah, I think that would be a great idea it'd be, it'd be a shame not to I mean it, you almost died twice but you you did it and now the co- is better than ever yeah yeah well I don't have any the, both of my legs got smashed below the knees when I dropped the engine block on it but uh, I'm okay yeah yeah oh yeah the engine block and the engine block didn't get damaged at all because luckily no, they, not at all. Yeah, they, they landed on your legs. Didn't even crack. Yeah. So uh, I mean, we're good. <laughs> but yeah, I'm glad you care about me. Yeah, it, and like sometimes for me for jujitsu, like being on my mind, I'll be doing something and then I'll, I'll look at like some abstract thing, you know, um, and I'll see kind of Gary's face in it, and I'll know like, dang it, you know, Gary's he's out there getting ready to get me. He's training harder than I am right now. I just know. Anytime I'm reminded of Gary, it. Uh, yeah, I know you're. You know, I'm training that right rivalry now, right there is is is. I'm uh, actually is doing sit ups right now. Dang, Gary, man, how can I? That's the the whole reason why we're doing the podcast, so I could stop you from training for just a little while, and uh, try to get an edge. Yeah, yeah, so, like you need that. Yep. I'm getting a sweat. I put my sweatband on. <laughs> um, Byron, I think it's about time. That we talk about the article of the week. All right. What do we have this week, Gary? 
Um, this week we go back to uh, uh, BJJEE, BJJ Eastern Europe, and uh, uh, I know we've went to that website numerous times. But uh, one of our uh, friends that has been on our show a couple times there, um, John Connor, uh, John Connors, I'm sorry, uh, wrote an article. Um, it's called "The Biggest Delusion in BJJ," and in parentheses, and a response to Keenan Cornelius. And uh, basically, what we're talking about is, uh, you know, the typical things you always hear. You know, what do you weigh? How long have you been training? Did you wrestle in college or high school? Have you ever trained judo, sambo? How old are you? I get that a lot. Um, but, um, <laughs> um, you know, it's just like, he calls it the jiu-jitsu theory of relativity. And uh, basically, we, we unconsciously plug all these variables into our own little jujitsu. Um, and it's kind of funny. He's got his own little, uh, scratch, you know, uh, like a mathematic scratch pad up there, which is a jujitsu theory of relativity. And, and we use all this stuff to see if we should be better than somebody, if they should be better than somebody. And, uh, basically do these things really matter is, uh, kind of what we're looking at. The, the aspect that, our friend John is trying to get at here is that comparing yourself to your teammates or other competitors in, in aspects of those measurable uh, things like how long you've been training, have you wrestled, how old are you, how much do you weigh, you know, those sort of things. Um, it's not healthy. It doesn't help you get better at jiu-jitsu. And it doesn't really, it doesn't really matter how good you're, they are. It doesn't, you know, you're, you're how good you are. And that's what's important. Uh, yeah. Make that guy better. Make that girl better. Yeah, just worry about yourself and your teammates. Just just show up every day. Just keep training. I mean, geez, I've got I've got tapped by new guys. I've got tapped by guys who've been training, you know, six months. It's gonna happen, and uh, it's kind of cool when it happens. You know, that person's doing great. But um, yeah, it's, it's if you spend all your time thinking about that, you're gonna get down. You're you're gonna be frustrated. Just go in and just train and make everybody better. I'm reminded one of our past guests, Brian Marvin. He came, uh, he moved to to our Wichita here, and he had very limited experience, and he got good really fast. And so here, here I am with I don't know maybe five to seven years of, of jujitsu, and um, Brian was like, "Man, I can hardly hold on to this guy." And before you know it, you know Brian's passed me in 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 ability, and uh, and. You know that that's good for him, and it for me that could have been like, well, he just started and he's better than me. That's that would that didn't do any good for me. Be happy well, for him and keep training. Yeah, I remember he was beating me so bad when he first started, <laughs> and I do remember saying, "Well, he's wrestled before." You know, I just threw that out there to make myself feel better. But no, I mean, yeah, I'd been training longer than him, and uh, I'll never forget getting beat up so bad as uh, as I did with him. But, um, you know, it just made me better in the long run. Yeah. Uh, training, but, training with guys like that, uh, it's, you know, let's just get out there on the mat and, and uh, I'll get better and not worry about how long he's trained or this and that. Yeah. And Gary's definitely one of those guys that's not afraid to to roll with somebody who is get, is going to kind of, you know, Gary doesn't avoid anybody on the mat, it seems like. so. But, uh, but that's just an example. And it doesn't matter that he got to be how good he is in that short amount of time. It matters that I get to train with this person. That's good. It matters that um, that 
that having him in the mat is, is helping me, but to compare yourself to other people, it really doesn't help you. It just, just it, it could discourage you uh, so much that I, I do know some people that um, that had did jiu-jitsu for a couple of years, brought a friend in. After a couple of years, the friend surpassed them in ability, and then they're gone, and the friend stays. That's kind of sad. That's that's not what it. It's a personal journey to get better at martial arts. Yeah, I've even talked to people that have brought their friends into train. Their friends got better, and then even dumped them as as uh, Facebook friends. <laughs> well, you got to do so that. They took the double whammy. Yeah, you gotta you gotta dump them when you if you can tap somebody out, you gotta dump them off the Facebook, man. Yeah, but a great article there by uh, John Connors, and it's basically just don't compare yourself. Just go out and train and, and get better and uh, have fun and uh, help your teammates and. Let's just enjoy jujitsu and uh, keep training. Yeah, and that's that's on uh, bjjee.com. And, uh, and John Connors has a great website called fightersconfidence.com. It's got lots of things like that, like how, you know, kind of the mental side of, of how things are going for you as, as far as a fighter and, and the confidence that you have. And uh, it speaks to that. There's more to the article than what we're just covering, so check it out on the on the interwebs. Hey, one thing I do like, I forgot to mention, I just love this sentence. One of the beautiful things about jiu-jitsu is there's no finish line. I, I just think that's awesome. He talks about you're not done when you're in your black belt. You're still learning. And uh, I thought that was uh, that was my favorite sentence in this whole article. Yeah. If, if you had a date, like they said, uh, you could train jiu-jitsu up until 2020 and then you're done. Well, then that's how good you would be at jiu-jitsu is when that date showed up. But that doesn't happen, you know. Um there's no finish line. Keep training. You're going to hopefully keep getting better as you go. Yep. Do you actually have a date that you plan on quitting? Oh, absolutely, Gary. <laughs> uh, yeah, it's, it's your birthday. Uh, it's <laughs> 10 years from now because I'll be so frustrated with how good you are. And well, see, there you throw and my how, how old are you? Too. Much older you are, and you'll be, uh, you know, you'll bench a lot more than me. And, and well, benching. Yeah, we forgot to include that in there, too. <laughs> how much do you bench? <laughs> so. I just won't be able to compare myself with you anymore, and I'll be frustrated. And by that time, I just gotta hang it up the gi. Yeah. Well, then you can just do no gi with me. Dang it. That's true. <laughs> so, uh, good article, a lot of fun, and uh, and uh, swing by there and check it out. Check it out, and then also check out uh, Fighters Confidence, uh, John Connors. Gary, without much further ado, we th- we should get on with our effing uh, interview with our friend Chris Howder. And just a fair warning, like we said before, it gets a little bit explicit. It's nothing crazy, but uh, here we go. He is the most interesting grappler in the world. A group of scientists teamed up to study his competition videos. Einstein refused to continue research because of its destructive power. He once choked out an opponent using only his Wi-Fi connection. When he models for key companies, he uses only his bad side. He only gets ringworm on his ring finger. I don't always listen to podcasts, but when I do, I prefer the BJJ Brick Podcast. Stay sweaty, my friends. All right, my friends, I'm happy to bring Chris Howder to the BJJ Brick Podcast. Chris, welcome to the show. Welcome to me. Thank you for welcoming me. It's a pleasure to have you. Um, you've been involved with jiu-jitsu for uh, 
a very long time. You're one of the original Dirty Dozen, uh, which means you're one of the first non-Brazilian uh, black belts. Uh, yes, and that's you're, true. You're a competitor. Tell us a little bit about yourself and, and get us up to speed. Who is Chris Howder? Well, you know, I mean, who is but Chris Howder? I will say in regards to the original Dirty Dozen, my origins of jiu-jitsu – you know, I mean, really, I was in the right place at the right time, which is the South Bay of Los Angeles in the late 80s before UFC. And I happened to, you know, I could let you know the whole thing, meet the right people at the right time and found the jiu-jitsu very early. So it's, it sounds like you're crediting a lot of um, what you're doing now with just luckily being where you're at and then – uh, I, I know that that's not enough. You happen to found, find uh, jujitsu and love it, and, and work very hard with it from there. But if you would have been Absolutely. somewhere else, you would be doing. If you would have been located where you were, uh, your life would be a lot different. I'd imagine. I would imagine. I, I mean, I, I am a firm believer. Before we go into some intro about me, um, environment is stronger than will, and. Much of my life and continuing, I believe the human illusion is that will trumps environment. That's like one of our survival mechanisms from tens to hundreds of thousands of years ago. And, and you know, I was in, in the right environment to where people, you know, Los Angeles is has is and always has been kind of the mecca of martial arts, and maybe that's movies that bring the major martial artists here. But and for me, I started. I was, you know, growing up, of course, like a lot of guys. I'm 50 years old, so you can pocket point my. With childhood, a period, it was the Kung Fu Theater on the weekends, one of, you know, 13 channels. I used to love watching the Kung Fu movies. Martial arts, for many years, martial arts subconsciously in my mind equaled Asian combat styles. It meant Kung Fu, Karate, and any of the other ones. And, of course, the, the, the main three back when I was a kid, the ones that I was mostly aware of, the, the three cultural styles were Chinese, Korean, and Japanese, and the, uh, the, all the American offshoots of those. And so my start was a karate as a young uh, a kid. I won't go into all the particular personal reasons that drew me to martial arts. I mean, I did other sports, but but I, I definitely had that that very primal coupled with life experience need to quote unquote feel like I needed to learn self defense, which really translated into I needed to learn how to fight, and that, that's what got me involved in martial arts. And I would watch the Kung Fu theater. I, I remember one of my favorite movies, and I don't even know how old I was when it. Uh, came out somewhere maybe in my late, early, early teens, late grammar school days, was um, The Octagon with Chuck Norris. And 
I just loved that ninja thing. I got all into the ninja thing as a kid. And um, I did a karate. And I'll just, just say practicality-wise, there are a few things that I really have kept from my original well, karate thing. Notably would be the front lead kick, the rear step-through kick, and a little bit of sidekick stuff. Um, and the pulling hand, of course, helps me remember when I uh, pass guard to keep my elbows in. Um, ask me more because I feel like I'm just rambling. No, it's uh, it's interesting. Guide me along. <laughs> so you, you you did karate for a little while and before you found uh, jiu-jitsu. Did you do anything yes. in the other arts? Absolutely. So then um, high school began and – now, I, I embarrassingly say that when I was a kid, I fought a lot. I was kind of the Marty McFly. I was um, – I looked very young for my age. I was always one of the smaller kids at school, and I had a big mouth and a chip, so I didn't take any shit, and then I would freak out and get in fights, and – my fights always naturally, instinctively ended up in a clinch and on the ground if I didn't get punched first. I, I Even though I would practice these karate and kung fu, it, it never really applied when the actual childhood fight uh, started. You, you know, I, I would instinctively almost put my head down and uh, dive in because I didn't want to get punched in the face and clinch. And I was kind of a natural wrestler. I didn't realize it until high school when I began high school wrestling and realized, hey, you know, I'm pretty good at this naturally and I like it more and it seems effective. And, and I, you know, it's weird because I remember in high school during wrestling, both ninth grade I, my senior year, I didn't wrestle because I was injured the whole year. I got ran over by a car, which is a whole other big, long story wow. about back injuries and recovery and coming back. But, um, you know, I remember distinctly realizing in high school something that my father had always said was, you know, back in the, the Greek and Roman days that the, the wrestler always beat the boxer. And again, because martial arts in my head meant Asian martial arts, I, I didn't realize that boxing and wrestling were martial arts. They were in essence Western martial arts, probably more appropriately called martial sports. And so high school, I got – I loved – Wrestling, and I used to think about um, the like pro wrestling moves and that stuff. And I would, I re remember constantly like trying to like figure out like, wouldn't it be cool if we could have <laughs> kind of real wrestling but with pro wrestling rules? And, and which, of course, is modern MMA in, in, in a way. And and I think. Naturally and instinctively, any human that does martial sports tends to, if you have an open mind, think outside of the man-made rules of the game. And martial sports, which includes m modern MMA, are all the games that we humans 
but create. We make rules in, in order to keep the safety of the athletes and to preserve whatever the essence is of that martial art. In other words, wrestling, the collegiate freestyle, is has its own rules that, that were originally set up to protect the essence of that grappling style. And Greco, you know, the essence is the upper body, no cloth, clinch and throw. Judo is the art of the upper body, cloth, clinch and throw. Jiu-jitsu, one could say, people love to say, oh, jiu-jitsu is everything and all-encompassing. Eh, not really. Um, but jiu-jitsu is, the, the essence of uh, the art is 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 on the ground submissions with an emphasis of of flow in, as opposed to um, clean and jerk in essence. Um, what am I saying here? You got to guide me along if you can. I don't want to bore your. No, you, I, I, it's just interesting uh, the way you think of it. And, and typically we think of sports jitsu. It, it, uh, you know, it is, it, we start standing up, but the people who are good at jitsu have good. Uh, ground games that are complete. You know, they have top game and bottom game, but it is important to flow and it's important to be able to, you're not getting points for pinning somebody in a bad spot and just holding them there for a long time. You you earn your points when that happens, but you don't earn, if you hold me there for two minutes, it really doesn't matter compared to when you're established. So you need to keep trying to advance your position and keep flowing and keep going. Exactly. Yeah. You you know, I will fast forward my experience because really all we have in life is our own experience and, and a loose understanding of others experiences and um so after high school wrestling i went in the marine corps reserves um i started some boxing because i knew my weakness was my hand skills and i started to get okay at uh, boxing and then i i went back to Martial arts, which was, um, I, I discovered that in well, Carson and Marina Badore was the IMB Academy, Dan and Osanto, Richard Bustillo, which are the direct lineage of Bruce Lee. I couldn't believe it. I'm like, wow, this is so cool. So I did the, the JKD thing, and then that introduced me to a wonderful Muay Thai coach named Lot. That's That was his nickname, Lot. I don't really know his whole name, but he was an amazing guy. He took the bronze medal, I think, in the 76 Olympics against Sugar Ray Leonard was his only loss in boxing, and he was a multi-stadium Muay Thai champ, and I fell in love with Muay Thai. And Muay Thai in America and in the world at that a point in time. Remember, this is pre-YouTube, internet, all that stuff. Muay Thai was like what Jiu-Jitsu was in the late 80s, early 90s. It was if you did karate, kung fu, and all that, and you suddenly saw Muay Thai, you, when you saw a real Muay Thai, a guy hit pads or a bag or spar, you went, wow, now that's how to kick. 
not not that that snappy flick kick taekwondo stuff. That's a real kick. And I got really involved in Muay Thai. I had one pro fight. I won the fight. Um, it hurt really bad. My shins hurt. Um, I remember sitting down on the stool in the corner after round a two, my shins throbbing, and it was against a, a Cambodian, and my hands were better. Um, and I remember thinking, this is a hard way to earn a, a living and definitely a hard sport. Um, so after that fight, I got really involved in the Kali Jeep. The Kundo thing, and I loved it. I mean, it was beautiful. It was fun. It was flowy. Um, but Dan Inosanto, you know, is, is an awesome, open-minded martial artist. I credit him for giving me the gift of exploration in the arts, of not limiting yourself, not having a closed mind, not keeping things secret, but showing what you know, and I decided I would go back to wrestling. Now I'm a college age, and I went over to the, the junior college and went to the wrestling room with the intent to find when a practice was. And I saw these guys in what looked like a karate geese, which they kind of were back in the old Gracie jiu-jitsu days, and they were rolling around, well, not rolling around, they were practicing UPA escapes on the wrestling mat. And okay. I knew the instructor, he was the Aikido instructor, Mitz Yamashita. And he says, looks over at me, oh, hey, Chris, how's it going? And I'm like, Mitz, I don't think that would work against a wrestler. And he says, why don't you try? And that was my intro. Um, <laughs> And I was instantly shocked and amazed that Aikido had such amazing grappling stuff. I never knew. And I'm like, wow, I want to learn Aikido. And he goes, well, it's not Aikido. This is jiu-jitsu, and it's a special kind, Gracie jiu-jitsu, and I'm not really allowed to even teach it. And I'm like, i got to learn this. And, he's go, and he wrote down a number on my math homework. And it said Rorion. I, I read out Rorion. He goes, it's but pronounce Horion, but give him a call. So I immediately, I mean, I swear to you, I immediately went home and I called that number. And Horion answered, and he was a very pleasant, kind, nice, and accommodating, let me know the address. I uh, uh, scheduled my intro and grabbed my skateboard and about four blocks away, skated over up, up to Horion's garage, and that's how I began with jiu-jitsu. And from then on, I mean, I was hooked from the moment I started. Wow, that is awesome. And four blocks away, like you said, uh, you're truly uh, fortunate about where you were located, and uh, and then also fortunate that you're um, – you you were passionate about it because I'm sure more people came to the doors that that didn't see it the way you saw it. But um. many many, I, um, you know. And again, when I began, Luis Harada was there. He was a blue belt. Bob Bass had already begun. Chris Saunders, um, a lot of guys. I don't want to start naming because then I'll forget guys. It was Hoyce, 
Gracie, Horion, Hickson was in and out instructing, Hegan Machado, who was then called Hegan, but Gracie, and it was 20 bucks a private. And, you know, I mean, when, when you think of that now, it's like, wow. But it was, it was really awesome. I mean, it was like I knew that I had found the, the answer. You, you know, yeah, it's, it's yeah. like, wow, this is it. You know, this is the martial art that, that I've been after my, my whole life as a natural a grappler. Wrestling, I loved, but it was a little too sport, man-made rules, restrictive. Jiu-jitsu was free the the spirit of it was and and the the goal was was more martial as opposed uh, to sport and and yeah i was just instantly hooked and part of the beauty of it was was real or imagined but jiu-jitsu gave wasn't so weight class oriented wrestling tends to be very weight a class oriented more so than cloth with jujitsu, I believe. And, you know, you, you don't really have, have open class wrestling matches. You don't have open yeah. class, but boxing, but you can have an open class, the gi, the jujitsu fight. You can't even really have an open class, the judo match. I mean, sort of, but on the ground wearing cloth, it, it is where the smarter, more trained, more efficient to the art a practitioner can beat the larger opponent. And and being a light, lightweight at that time, I'm still a lightweight, part of that was very appealing to my insecurity or whatever you want to call it, you know? That was like, it was magic. But jiu-jitsu, when I first was introduced and first was learning, it really was magic. And I was hooked on it like crack. I think that uh, th- that's a common experience to, to walk in. And, and nowadays, people kind of have an idea what they're getting into. You know, you see some UFC, you watch some YouTube clips, you go to the gym. But still, the initial feel of jiu-jitsu. And, and, and I think a lot of people believe that, oh, it's not going to be that easy for these little people to manipulate me. And it it sure is. And, and it's still yeah. the feeling of magic still is out there for people who I can't – it probably more so for you because you didn't um, – you weren't able to, to see it first as much as, as just to experience it. And, and it's probably a little more surprising. Um, yes, it was absolutely surprising. And of course, now I'm going to just jump ahead on on a just a philosophical note. You, you know, as we're in the age of YouTube multimedia, you know the the image of the moves are out there. Everything's yeah. out there, and, but the actual feel is still something that must be done between. But two people, it's it's kind of like I mean, I am I love MMA, but I hate the show. I love boxing, but I hate the show. And although I know the fans are what pay for the whole thing, and without it, we wouldn't have MMA. But like when you think of the typical non martial artist MMA or boxing fan, 
and you overhear them while they're watching a fight, you know, they think they know what's going on. And in some ways, they kind of do from an observer status. But it kind of drives me nuts. You know, people with politics do that, people with every one thing. Until you experience it, you really don't have anything other than a fan point of view. You know what I'm saying? Absolutely. But our brains are wired in a way that when we watch something over and over again, that limited amount of stimulus our brain receives and that imagery, which is so powerful, we start thinking we understand it. And that's, you you know, and again, I don't want to talk about the politics on this um, show, but I always um, say I am a white male who's 50 with a short haircut and with gray temples. I have no idea what it's like, but, but to be a young black man in life or a woman in life. I just can't, I, I, I can only know from a very narrow a perspective of that. And I think, and in turn, other people have no idea what my experience is. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. You could try to to perceive it the way that somebody else would, but you really can't grasp it. You could watch it. I really can't. Yes. I can only, only gather more information, but I can't experience it. And I can watch the jujitsu over and over again. I could watch it really up close the way say, back when I was briefly a cop and watched the street really up close. But I really don't know the street until I experience it. I, I You know, it's similar. So I, could, I watch a, a video on, online or a DVD, and I, and I pick it up. And I, and I go in and I, and I get a buddy, and we try to figure it out. And uh, we might pick up a little bit of it, but it's not going to be the same. It's similar if the instructor is, is demonstrated a technique on me. I could feel it, but it's not until we're rolling and the instructor does a te- technique to me that I really feel it. And I, I'm, I'm like, okay, he's not just demonstrating technique. He's performing the technique on me. And then to be able to flip that around and, and actually do the – you know, there's so much, so many more levels here that – and uh, yeah, you're right. We're missing the first one, the feel um, on on anywhere online. <clears throat> yes, anywhere. And um, but now that's not. But to say that if you're rolling around practicing, working on but the art, which what is the art of jujitsu? The art is how do I control and submit my opponent u- utilizing the least amount of attributes, i.e., strength explosion, speed, size, and the maximum amount of leverage, cunningness, and guile. When you're practicing with that art, watching YouTube clips, instructional, sure, it can absolutely help you. Um, It could even be the game changer. And I think with modern martial arts, even modern weapons arts, even modern... Combat handgunning, you can learn an incredible amount by watching instructionals. An incredible amount. But you have to do it. 
You can't just watch it. That's not going to get you anywhere. Just watch it. Yes. Is that the 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 responsible for um, the growth in techniques that I've? Uh, maybe I'm wrong. Maybe there's not such a growth in techniques in the in the past uh, uh, recent years. But it seems like there is. But you've see, you've watched the sport a lot longer than I have. I I think a, a lot of it is again. I mean, environment trumps will, and. The environment created by by the mat, the man-made rules of the game, i.e. you can't strike, um, no eye gouging, no growing grabs, whatever rules are, are made, human beings will fight to win within the environment that they're in, the natural and the man-made environment. And we will push... The in, in, we will push that environment, i.e., rules, as far as we can without being caught, and that is what alters a martial art. It's environment, and so uh, um, when judo back when Bakano B- 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 in B- Japan was introducing the um, but judo from the jujitsu, the Kodokan, um, they were basically creating rules in order to preserve the art of the Japanese jujitsu, but at the same time be able to actually have a contest. And in order to prevent everybody from doing low ankle picks, single legs, low shots, they said no grabbing from the waist uh, down. So the, the art of the judo was the art of the upper body cloth a clinch and throw was preserved by creating the rule of not being able to grab legs. In uh, jiu-jitsu, the art of controlling and submitting your opponent the gentle art way, in order to preserve that we don't allow certain moves and strikes and all that stuff. That's not to say when you think street in your mind, it's like when I'm in a, a grappling match, whether it's a, a tournament match, but more so as I'm just rolling around on the mat, with club rolling, in my mind, my brain is always thinking, well, okay, I'm on top half guard and... I have a hand that's completely free to start reining in knuckles. I don't think I'm in a bad spot. But now when I'm swept in the half guard and that's completely changed and now he has that hand up there, instead of just executing some sport move, I grab that hand. Because in my brain, I'm thinking street. I I want to control his hands and his head because – of course, in modern MMA, you can't headbutt, but the head is the other object that when you're on the bottom, you get, especially a guard or half guard, you can really get headbutted. Um, so I'm rambling again, but that's kind of the way I approach the jiu-jitsu. And the jiu-jitsu, like everything, evolves. And the, the jiu-jitsu that I was learning in 1988 is not the same that we do now. Even the old school guys, they won't admit it, 
but they have adapted and improved upon their old school approach. In other words, posture has changed as a result of the Greco-Roman wrestling, really. Now, a lot of that was because Bob Anderson went to um, um, Brazil back in late 70s, early 80s, you know, taught Hicks and Holes, all of those guys. And, you know, some of the old school guys embraced the Greco stuff. Some rejected it. Sometimes it came in more subconsciously. Sometimes a wrestler or a blue belt can show you a move as a a black belt and you'll reject it because they're a just a wrestler or a a blue belt but really you adopt that move and then you eventually start using that move and you you know what i mean how yeah the information exchange is inevitable and back pre-internet pre-youtube there was definitely what I would call regional or club-slash-academy-based styles. There was clearly, and, and kind of still, a more of a, like, a Hickson style. And many of Hickson's main students, who the guys that were highly influenced by Hickson, the Machado but brothers were heavily in, you know, Hickson and Holes gave them a lot, especially like Jean Jack and Hegan. Um, the Hegan but developed a very much a hybrid wrestling, American wrestling blended with the jujitsu game. He grew up, you know, learning it as a kid where he had no weights, so he learned how to not be a heavy grappler then he grew into a heavy grappler learned how to add weight and pressure and jean jack has that amazing style which has in you know i mean so everybody grabs apart it's like you can't say there's a gracie with jujitsu that, that's like saying there's a there's a band-aid brand bandage there's all kinds of them, and and the Henzo style is not the same as the Hoyler style, which yeah. is not the same as the Hickson style. One could say that Hobson Mora's style is 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 closer to Hoyler's than Hoyler's is to Horion's or Helios. Um, so people get stuck. The, the, people get hung up in 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 the terminology. You know, one of the beauties I learned from Dan and Osanto in the Ajit Kundo world is is the art is more important than the a person. And we tend to, in everything, we idolize a people. It, it's our natural course. And we try to imitate and emulate them. We make them our mentors, our heroes. And that's a good thing. But at a certain point, you know, you have to find what works for you. You have to be your own hero. And that's what I found that I try to impart onto all of my 
uh, students is, you know, I'm your coach. I'm not your master, your guru or any of that stuff. I think that stuff is such bullshit. Um, I am your coach. I'm your guide. This is your jujitsu. And I'm here to help you learn this art and give you the paintbrush and the paints and the canvas, show you how to mix them, show you some tricks on the perspective and how to do realism, how to do surrealism. But basically, you create your art. And that's what I find is the best approach. I've, I found for me personally, as I've gotten uh, older, that I I just I, I'm not going to do certain things. That some techniques aren't for me. Um, that I maybe I probably would have tried them a while ago, but um, either it's too much time commitment and, or too far out of the game I'm already playing. But I just oh that's not for me. That's great. It works. I need to know how to deal with it, but it's not going to be something that I'm going to do, and I'm not going to be able to do that in ten years from now either. So. Uh, just don't bring it. I don't bring that into my game. Is that um, something that yeah. you found as well? Yeah, absolutely. Um, now, I'm lucky in the fact that because I've been grappling forever and, and I'm fairly naturally athletic, I tend to not find things that I absolutely cannot do. Um, be, I'm 50, but because I've been involved in this long time, I rarely find something that I absolutely can't do. Like Megaton and I are the same age. He's a weight a class under me, but like th- there's nothing that he can't do. No yeah. new move. We can both go inverted. We can both do all that. But there are definitely styles and games that are better suited for our age than other stuff. You know what I'm saying? Absolutely. Um, You've mentioned several times about the environment being so important. Uh, I want to take a little glimpse into uh, the gym where you train, what the environment is like, maybe some a couple key differences, that uh, something that you really value about the environment of your, your training environment. Um, let me see. What would I say? You know, like, well, I don't have a school. I have a garage. Okay. And I kind of, my wife, who's also a black belt, she um, is much more structured and organized but than I am. And I think that's really, really good. And I think it's a good contrast because I'm a little more spontaneous, flow, whatever happens, whatever the feel of the room is, but kind of instructor. And that's like the good yin and yang of contrast. Like, you can learn jujitsu by just going in and rolling and having people come in and say, hey, look at this move. Or... Learn it in a very methodical, this is where we start, this is where we end way. And I think both ways are good. So my garage environment is very much not a school, not structured in in that way, but yet there are definitely elements of that, if that makes sense. Yeah, it sounds like you you value the balance that 
um, you kind of bring that that style, and your wife has a structured style, and uh, in that, like you said, the yin and the yang, it, it it balances out, and it creates an environment that's good for you. Yes, absolutely. I think it's it's kind of the key. If okay, you had uh, when you were a kid, you got in a lot of fights. You we talked about it a little uh, bit already. Yes, if, embarrassingly, I did. <laughs> if 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 somebody has a student, or maybe they're coaching the kids' class, and the kid gets in fights like that, and is doing jujitsu, um, mm. how do you how do you deal with this student? Uh, well, I'm a f- I, I believe in the premise of American uh, juvenile law which is that kids aren't crooks. They're just fucked up. And (laughs) so if they're doing things bad, I don't think they're evil. I don't think that's a bad kid. Let's kick them out of the school. I think for society at that point, you're actually creating a crook then. You're you're giving the kid the message that he isn't a good person. A person, so he's going to behave like not a good person. So, I mean, personally, I don't teach kids. It's a lot of work, frustrating, demanding. It sucks the energy out of me. I probably have too many um, codependency, Al-Anon issues with kids. I don't know, whatever it is. But, um, yeah, I just – but I think the worst thing that schools do regarding a kid's classes, especially young ones, is teach aggression. I think that's really bad. I think you can teach combat martial sport effectiveness without aggression. And aggression is kind of an emotional predisposition that I don't think needs to be pushed in kids. Um I think one should teach how to handle pressure, how to restrain yourself both in the moves you do and in your emotional thing. I I think martial arts can be wonderful for kids and I think they can be horrible for kids. Just like – in. A martial art from hand-to-hand combat all the way into AR-15 AKs. I I mean, you can instruct it in a way that is a good thing for society, helps who's ever learning this grow as a person and understand the primal nature of themselves, their emotional nature, their violent nature, because we all have it. Or you can push that and but do it the wrong way. It's like I've seen clips in like Eastern Europe of a kid's MMA and honestly it kind of turns my stomach. Yeah. There's something that seems so wrong about that. Yeah, that I've seen a couple as well and it is kind of – I don't like it. It's it's they're not old enough to to make those decisions whether they actually want no, to do it. There's just something so I'll cuss so fucking wrong about children's MMA. I think, and even if the kids are mature, I I, I just think society wise that's sending a bad message. Let's say you have two total stable mature 
uh, children uh, competing in MMA. And the unstable, immature uh, uh, a child is at home watching that on uh, TV. They're not mature enough to handle it. Yet they're seeing that the adult world accepts that children can do MMA. And there's just something to me that's just horrific about that. Yeah. I, I, another thing that I have thought about when watching uh, MMA, that I, not that I watch it on a regular basis, but it, when kids do jiu-jitsu yeah, and, they, and they lose – they still have fun. Like it, they may be disappointed and upset, but they generally uh, have a good time. But when uh, losing in that sort of a sport is a uh, is a drastically different experience for for anybody, especially a kid. Yes, drastically different. I um, yeah, I just I am I am not a fan of children doing MMA, watching R rated movies. Um, I find it. I, I it disturbs me when I'm in an R-rated movie at night, and there's people that have their children in there. Just like, what the fuck are you people doing? Yeah, that, <laughs> that's the conservative family value Republican in me. But I don't vote Republican. Um, I'm kidding. Now I'm going to make half the people <laughs> mad. But, but, but um, yeah, I just. There are are some things that our society does that I find not good. Now, the typical modern conservative stance is this belief that we have to go back to some wonderful leave it to the beaver time where that never happened, where that's a – that's history – Revision. I mean, you go back a hundred years ago after church, you went and watched the the public hanging in Alabama, you know. So I think overall, we humans are are on a progressive track towards improvement, but we're far from done, right? (laughs) Yeah. And even, uh, of course, there's people who think that uh, MMA is a step in the to the extreme world and things like that. But uh, to me, it's it, when you say stop, it's over. When you want to be done, um, yes. the fight's over. And that's why I think the violence is limited because to me, it gets really violent when you see a submission crank too long or you see a guy who's unconscious get hit uh, after he's unable to to stop the, stop the punches or stop himself. Or when somebody Perfect. wants to not be there, they can get out. They, it's it's not a big deal. And that's, to me, what limits the violence in MMA. I believe violence requires a victim. And when there are two willing adult males in a sport contest, or adult women, stop being such a misogynist here, then it's not – the the two competitors, in essence, isn't violence. The violence – is the effect on us as a society. And, and that argument, in some ways, even though I fully support the legalization and continuation of the sport of MMA, that argument is a valid argument. In other words, should we should continually a question that is is this good? I, I mean, 
I'm a sci-fi fan like you. I'm like a pure sci-fi nerd. And so I'm, I'm constantly thinking about the philosophical slash future ramifications for the human race. And I wonder, I, I always, I'm one of those weirdos who like wonders, so if aliens came down, what the fuck would they think of us? And I mean, who knows? I, I mean, what, and then that opens up a whole other door. Well, what, what kind of aliens? Maybe they're like twice as gnarly, primal, and violent, <laughs> just more intelligent and evolved. So, I mean, everything I, – I, I question everything, including my own beliefs. I just – I love philosophy, you know, to continually question everything. Question my own jujitsu, my own moves. Test it. Continually apply the scientific method of – but testing it when you're in high school, but chemistry, or but for me college because I was such a fuck up in high school. I remember like realizing that you know we repeat experiments over and over again, even the ones that we that like I remember thinking, why do we have to mix this acid and base when somebody already has? We know it makes a salt. It's like in science we do our own work we, we, we peer review we it, it's it, it's not a game of of who's ever has the stronger personality is right it's it's whatever empirically proven is right yeah and so my approach to I like to approach everything with a scientific ex approach coupled with, which is also science in a way, with that open-mindedness, what I call a spiritual approach, which is the humility of knowing that my brain is so fucking small that me even thinking that I know a fact is almost absurd. Just blew my mind, Chris. I don't. Uh, I don't know how to come back from that one. Um, I, I got to get some uh, coaching advice from you. Okay. Uh, before Hurry I let up, you go, because I, I realize I we have to run soon. And okay. Okay. It, coaching it, advice. We've got we some have, some students who are fairly new. Um, what, what would you tell them if they're getting ready to do their first tournament? I would say a couple of um, things that you will be nervous. And to try to think that you won't is absurd. Just go ahead and feel those nerves and realize that, that everyone is nervous. Everybody is. And that what is making you nervous is but the unknown. What we fear is the unknown. And because... You, you haven't experienced it yet, it's scary. Because you have not personally experienced it, it is scary. It's like but jumping out of an airplane the first a time is always really scary. Even though you, you, you've seen other guys jump out right before you. Even though you know it works. They've been, <laughs> this has been going on for years. Part of your brain does not trust it. 
until you actually experience it. So the first time, put no pressure to win or lose. You go out there for the experience. And you go out and you just do the best jiu-jitsu that you can do. Leave the results to God, if that's what you believe in, the universe, if that's what you b- 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 believe in, you're not in charge of that part. All you do is show up and do it. Very, your that's vehicle. very good. Uh, show up and, and and do it the best you can, and and, uh, take, and take the nerves. Fun. Yeah, that's good. How about have a good time? How about somebody who is only able to train uh, like twice a week? How are they able – what would you recommend that they do to, to help uh, grow in, in jiu-jitsu? They need to quit thinking that, that their careers and families are more important. I'm kidding. <laughs> <laughs> I like it. <laughs> no, I think – I mean whether it's once a week, I mean clearly more is – but better, but you, again, you, you, you know, I mean, I said this in the many of many times. You know, you're good in in eight years. Eight years is going to pass, no matter what. Why not have fifty classes times eight once a week? But 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 jujitsu. Then you'll still have have that much more experience. I mean, you know, it's just, but don't quit. That's my line I've been using for three years as well. It's not who's good, it's who's left. And you, you don't keep score along the way. Just be in the moment. Just in the going. moment or leaning ahead. What do I got to learn next? No score keeping. It, it, it's unimportant. There we go. Just keep keep going and 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 uh, be in the moment. There, I like that. That's 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 good for me to hear as well. Um, you're also an artist. I got to learn a little bit about you and and the art that you do. Yes, I am an artist. Um, I'm an aspiring artist. No, <laughs> all artists are aspiring artists. <laughs> Even the ones who are successful, lots of times in their own heads, they're not because part of art is that striving to improve right and i mean art art is a wonderful a wonderful thing art is probably one of those rare things and it's arguable but art is ultimately the one subjective experience that we really have it it it, it's it's a personal thing i mean there are art analysts who mapped the brain and done statistical studies between well, cultures, is there something that the human brain likes, you know, symmetry, the, the rule of thirds, all that stuff. So there are some overall things, but ultimately, art is, is, is the most freeing thing that one can do. Whether you're doing martial arts, fine art, music, but creating is that, that thing that allows you to let your, and I use this in a non-Sigmund Freudian way, but to allow your ego to not be so big that you can actually see a truth in a perspective that you cannot without 
appreciating doing or understanding art. Wow. That, uh, uh, you wrapped up a lot in that, uh, description of art. Um, is there somewhere you could, someone can go and, and look at some artwork you've done or, uh, my website will be up soon because my flaky artist friend who's making it, um, <laughs> is overwhelmed, but we're meeting next week. It's almost done and that will have my art up there and some prints for sale and all that because I'm a struggling artist, like all artists. Well, we'll definitely uh, put links to that in the show notes. How could somebody uh, get a hold of you if they want to maybe get some mat time with you or um, just just to keep up with what you're doing and, and see what's going on? They can shoot me a text, 424-241-8777, or email me, chauter1041 at mac.com. And Chris Howder Art is my Instagram handle, Chris Howder Art, one word. Uh, my last name is spelled H-A-U-E-T-E-R, Hotel Alpha, Uniform, Echo Tango, Echo Romeo. All right. I'll put those in the show notes, and it should be easy for anybody who uh, didn't have a pen available to, to contact you. I appreciate you jumping on here with me. It's been a lot of fun talking with you. We covered a, a wide variety of topics, which was very interesting and and, uh, of course, a lot about jiu-jitsu. So uh, thank you, Chris, for uh, the interview. Cool, buddy. Thank you. All right. You have a good one. Out. Uh, definitely would like to thank uh, Chris Howder for taking time out of his busy schedule to uh, to talk to all of us here and uh, uh, give us some great tips. Uh, you know what I really like the most um, or what hit me the most is, you know, he trains in his garage. And uh, – that's kind of me right there. I train in my garage and my basement. I've got my basement, you know, mattered from wall to wall. And uh, I, I, it just hit me. It's like old school style. I, I, I kind of love training my basement. I, I trained tonight or today, this morning in my basement. But uh, that really hit me. That uh, I, I just think that's cool. And I know I've seen um, some videos on, you know, shared on the Internet um, showing him you know, opening up his garage and going in and training, training with guys in there. So I thought that was awesome. Yeah, that is cool. And, uh, Gary does have, he's got, uh, the, the meanest group of guys in, uh, in the garage in all of Kansas, probably. So. Well, you know, I've trained him to be mean so that when Byron comes in that, uh, you know, they'll cross face him really hard. I think that's the key. <laughs> <So>. <laughs> but no, I mean, the guy's a legend, uh, and, uh, basically, uh, great interview and, uh, I think uh, I think we can all learn some stuff from him. Absolutely. Thinking of, speaking of learning things, uh, next week we have uh, Lee Mean is going to be uh, our interview of the week. So uh, uh, check that out. It's a uh, it's it's a fun interview, and uh, you'll have to just stay tuned and and uh, get to know Lee Mean a little bit better. Yep. So don't miss next week. Um, also, don't miss us on social media. Uh, we're on Facebook, uh, BJJ Brick. We're on Twitter. Um, so uh, check us out there. We're also on YouTube. Byron's got a nice grilled cheese uh, video on there. <laughs> don't want to miss that. Sorry for bringing that one up, Byron. Uh, that doesn't make any sense unless you've seen the grilled cheese video, and then it makes yeah. a little sense. Yeah, then it makes sense. But, <laughs> you know, grilled cheese and firefighters, they go together. There's a lot of smoke in that video. <laughs> Hey, um, uh, also, you know, going along with our uh, uh, inter- or article of the week there by John Connor, you know, I think I have a question for all our listeners, and if you just uh, give us a response on our Facebook page. But um, 
we're going to ask, how much do you bench? <laughs> and uh, so just put your bench press down. Let us know. Um, even though, as we said before, it's irrelevant. But uh, I like to ask irrelevant questions. And and how about this, Byron? How about whoever has the highest bench gets a gi patch? And, um, you know, I know this is the Internet where we all date supermodels and we all have, you know, <laughs> 1,000-pound bench presses. That's but we'll, tr- we'll try to be honest and uh, post our real bench press. I mean, mine's 75 pounds. What would you say yours is, Byron? Does that include the bar? Oh, you mean there's a bar? Yeah, I usually get a bar. Oh, I've just been uh, – I've been doing air bench presses. You've been uh, bench pressing uh, car parts. With your- yeah, well, with my feet. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know what I could bench. I hope I could. I could probably bench my body weight, or maybe a little bit more. But uh, yeah, I don't know. So definitely post your uh, post your bench press there, and the, the highest bench press uh, will uh, send us an email, or we'll we'll get in touch with you. Yes, yeah. yeah. if you live in the U.S., we'll we'll yeah, throw a G patch in the mail and slap a stamp on it and send it your way. Yeah, and that way you could put it on your bench press shirt. Yeah, you could just sew it on there. <laughs> Uh, I'm excited to see. Uh, let's start the bidding at uh, 500 pounds and, and see where it goes from there. What do you think about that? Yep, yep. <laughs> Calling Bruce Redenbaugh. If you <laughs> post, you will probably win. That's true. Just take just take the uh, the gi patch to the gym there. Yep. Speaking of gi patches, there's more than one way to to get that skin on your gi. It's also like there's more than one way to skin a cat. I like you that, Byron. There's the, what would be the other way there to get the gi patch? To uh, to to write a review on iTunes, and uh, we like them when they're funny. But if you write us a review, hopefully we earn five stars, and then uh, throw a uh, email at us at our uh, web email address. I guess I'll say that right now: bjjbrick at gmail dot com, and uh, we'll get back with you. Get your address and your contact information, and we'll send you a gi patch for uh, for taking the time out of your day to write us a review. So far. That's been the, the funnest way we give out key patches. And about once a month, we get together and we read the, all the reviews that we've gotten gotten on uh, on uh, iTunes. We kind of cry a little bit. You know, it hurts sometimes. We only read the, the nice ones. Like last time, I think we had 104 reviews. 102 actually threatened to fight me and wanted to beat me up. And then two were nice. So uh, the ones, the guys who threatened to beat me up and everything, we, a lot of times we don't read those. Just to uh, keep me sane. Yeah, that's true. And, and yeah. so, I mean, we're you're constantly having to move and hide uh, locations and, and 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 move where the gym, your where the garage is to, to keep you safe, man. Guys, yeah, just show it's up. Kind of like a witness protection program. Yeah, you, you'll be you'll be trading your garage and like a truck full of guys and geese will pop up out of nowhere, and you'll be you know passing guards and and heel hooking people. You know that would be cool. I would like somebody to dojo storm. My basement. That would be, be kind of neat. That would be kind of fun. Yeah. Maybe you we'll just need to that. post publicly when and where and yeah, more we, often. Yeah, we'll call it the BJJ Brick Challenge. <laughs> <laughs> How about this? You, you, If you want to join the storm, Gary, uh, get a hold of me at that BJJBrick at gmail.com. I'll tell you when and where. And I'll probably end yep. up connecting with you and we'll get in, we'll meet up in, uh, in Storm's house. Yeah. Well, the bad thing is, I said I'm in witness protection program, but if you're ever in Wichita, Kansas, you know, uh, let us know. Send us an email. We'd love to train with you. Um, 
any questions you have or if you have any ideas for shows or anybody to interview, send us an email. As Byron said, bjjbrick at gmail.com. We'd love to hear from you. Gary, we've talked about the audiobook we have to support the podcast, and we've also talked about you putting up your YouTube video about uh, you know bench pressing parts of your car, engine blocks and whatnot. And uh, everybody knows every week you have a new audiobook you're working on, and uh, this one's going to be a good one. Yes, uh, what audiobook am I working on now? Bob? You were you were inspired to write this one from having a summer long of, of a lot of swimming and good times in the pool. It took you back to when you were a kid. This book is called Into the Deep End, Gary's Tales of Getting Dunked as a Kid. You know, I was always the skinny kid, um, always a little smaller than the other kids. Um, I would have got picked on a lot more, but I had an older brother, but he wasn't very tough either. But he was <laughs> older, so um, it kept some of the kids from picking on me, but I still got picked on. But one thing the guys used to like to do was they would get on the – either the low, started out on the low dive, but then the kids got a little more confidence. They used to like to do pile drivers with me off the low dive or the high dive. And um, I think I took so many of those over and over again that the top of my head is kind of flat, um, kind of like Herman Munster. And I think it's due to uh, all those uh, uh, pile drivers I took off the low and high dive. But so, but it was fun. And um, the nice thing now, whenever we're short a little bit of furniture, I can just kneel down, and uh, people can use my head as a <laughs> as an end table. <laughs> You never did quite get the shape of your head back right after all those uh, pile drivers in the pool, huh? No. Well, the good thing in guard or in uh, jiu-jitsu is, uh, you know, if I do a handstand pass, I can just balance on my head. I don't even need my arms. I think you fell asleep like that one time. I did, but yeah. all the blood rushed to my head and I passed out and fell over. Huh. It's so really it fascinating happen. to see to see Gary be able to stand on his head uh, with so little effort. Yeah, yeah. But, hey, that came from all my training there in the – in the deep end. Would you wear floaties to try to prevent from getting dunked so bad? Well, the thing is, I never wore floaties until I started doing jiu-jitsu. And then I tried to work. But the bad thing is, it gave people a little extra grips, you know, for my arms with those floaties. So uh, I was getting armbarred a lot and pretty well, soon I became double-jointed. You, the, the thing is, I think you were intimidating. You would wear those floaties underneath your gi and your arms were like freaking massive. Yeah, it looked like at uh, imaginary lat syndrome, and and like <laughs> halfway through the match, it, I one of them would deflate. Left. Yeah, yeah, and, yeah. You, and not only did those deflate, my ego got deflated <laughs> as I got tapped. So, yeah, that's. I mean, it, you've come a long way since those days as a kid in the pool. Yep, I have. So I'm proud of you, Gary, and uh, and we're all looking forward to you getting this audiobook published out there, and I think it's going to be one of the bigger ones you've made. Yeah, I think it's going to be a great. I, I I wasn't thinking of doing an audio book. I was thinking of doing a pop up book, which would really show the flathead. But I liked your idea of the audio book. Maybe next week we'll have a pop up book. That would be that's a good idea. Hey, I've got great ideas, Mark. <laughs> I, I really like your timing. You know, summer's over, swimming season's over. You come out with this book about swimming. So uh, just another brilliant uh, business move, right there, Gary. Yeah, I think that's why I filed bankruptcy four times. And they uh, and, and they could file the paperwork on top of your head. Yep, that's where most people sign it. <laughs> All right, well, we have uh, taken this podcast to an entirely different place. 
We'll drag it back out of the mats like a referee uh, at a overexcited match. And catch you guys next week. Uh, stay sweaty, my friends. Thank you for listening. Take a shower. Post your bench press. Thank you for listening. I hope you find the time today to roll. After all, the best way to get better at Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu is to do Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu. <laughs>